Hello and welcome to Uni Game Society Radio on TuneFM 106.9. I am your host, Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Kate. And I'm Blake. So, uh, what we've got, got to talk to you tonight, our first segment is on uh, movie uh, adaptations of video games, which we have talked about before. However, there is a, another thing to bring to light as of the last week. For any MOBA players out there who like playing Dota 2, the Netflix adaptation Dragon's Blood has been released, and my goodness, I've only watched half of it so far, but it is incredible. Made by the same people who did the Castlevania adaptation on Netflix as well. It definitely earns its MA rating, so a big disclaimer on that. But for anyone who doesn't mind any of those details, a thrilling watch, and even if you aren't a fan of the game... It is a fantastic watch. You do not require context. It will give you the context it needs within universe as you watch it. There's only eight episodes right now. It's all on Netflix around between uh, 25 to 28 minutes episodes-ish. So got a full season to start off with. I thought it would be one episode. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Did not expect the entire full eight package to drop on us. Yeah, it was pretty good. Okay, Blake, any good adaptations you've seen of games into other forms, either be it shows or movies? Uh, I've not really got a lot of experience with that. Like, the only real game-to-movie adaption I've seen is sort of more Kate's domain in that, (laughs) in the form of Detective Pikachu. Like, I haven't even watched the Sonic um, adaption yet. Has anyone here watched the Sonic movie? I did. Yeah, it was beautiful. I've seen it. Good, because I heard a lot about it and with the backlash and everything and hearing it get such a good response on release was was The backlash was the design of the original Sonic and they cleaned that up, made him look a lot more like he did in the game. But like the plot and everything, I mean, it wasn't anything similar to the games, but it made it itself... A Sonic plot. It felt a bit more like the comics from what I understand. Oh my god, you're right. It's like the Archie comics and everything as opposed to the games which only draw lightly from Archie comics. I completely forgot there were Archie comics. There was even cartoons about the Archie comics. (laughs) Well, I suppose like why can't we return to that kind of formula of actually writing for game adaptations? There's uh... Hmm. Kate, how much do you know about a certain adaptation of the Super Mario Brothers? (laughs) (laughs) The biggest meme in the game movie sphere, I swear. The glorious thing from the 90s, was it? Oh, somewhere around there, like late 80s, early 90s, and it's just Goombas? Ah, yes, the mushroom people. No, we're talking about the tiny headed lizard folk. What? Uh, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I remember stumbling across the live-action Mario movie in a stack of DV- DVDs at someone's house, and I had no idea a live-action Mario movie exists, and for a while I was really curious about it, but given all I've heard about it, I am very glad I never got the <laughs> chance to see what it was all about. I actually watched it, and you know what? If you cut away the Mario brand from it, it was actually kind of a fun movie. But it was just, from what some of the actors and producers and other workers of the film said, it was a nightmare of an experience with, like, it was a husband-wife production thing. There was basically no communication between the pair of them, last-minute decisions, 
a shooting session that went from five weeks to 17 weeks, way over budget, constant script changes, but like, it, because it bore the Mario tagline, the whole shift in tone, it's like instead of, you know, two plucky red and yet green plumbers going to fight mushrooms and turtles, it ended up them crawling around in what would have appeared to have been some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle adaptation where they're fighting in sewers underground in a city full of dinosaur people. Huh. And the big plan was that Bowser, who just basically looked almost like American Putin, just wanted to turn all of humans back into monkeys with a primitive beam. So it's 1993 was the release date of that I, one. I'm glad I stuck to the um, Mario animated show as a child. <laughs> Let's pack some spaghetti. I think that one was a weird one anyway. A couple more. The, a couple of the ones in this, like, Google suggestions list, I don't know if they quite count as video game adaptions. They've got, like, the new Jumanji duology. Ooh, um, Ooh. Wreck-It Ralph. Ready Player One. They're more like homages to games. Yeah. Ready Player yeah. One was um, from... I haven't watched it, but from what I've heard, it's... It kind of drowns out its own substance by filling it in with pop culture references. Yeah. Like, I know ah. Ruby from the Rooster Teeth show, Ruby, is actually in there somewhere. Like, they've got a model <laughs> of her in there. Nice. How much money would the people who made Ready Player One have to pay to get all of the different people from all of the different things to, to get all that pop culture and saturate the their movie with it. Yeah. Oh God. It would have been expensive. Do you do you want the budget? Yes, I'll take yeah. that. So it could go two ways. Either they had to pay for the licensing or B, they were paid for the advertising they would be able to supply for those pop culture reference. It could things. have been it could have been mm. just a written agreement in that they don't have to pay and they don't get paid, but it's like a silent agreement of Will You're you? advertising us, and we're not going to jam lawyers up your butt. Uh, hmm. yes. So I've got a budget here of between 155 to 175 million, but a box office of 582.9 million. So they made it work. Um, that okay. one million, like, um, like in comparison to a lot of other big blockbusters, that's a rather small budget, yeah. actually. Since we were thinking about Detective Pikachu earlier, what was its budget? Detective Pikachu. Let's have a look. Well, speaking of though, about the movie, what was your experience with it? I loved it, honestly. It was, it was really, really it was really interesting because as soon as everyone heard that there was going to be a live-action Pokemon movie with the Pokemon sort of made animated to fit in mm. that live-action world, everyone was immediately like, oh, no, this is going to be hell on <laughs> Earth. Where they were this expecting the so super bad. freaky, realistic Pokemon Hyper-realistic. stuff. Hyper-realistic. And in yeah. a sense, they got that, but in a way that kind of leaned into the freakiness and and just sort of rolled with it. They, they in cheated a way on that, that balance. Yeah, in a way that actually kind of worked. Like, you look at the Pokemon mm. and you're like, this is... Freaky, but also cute at the same time, and it kind of gives that overall vibe of if you lived in a world with these kinds of creatures in it, it would be like that. There would be that balance, I suppose, between being freaked out by the fact that there is a little creature sitting on your desk that could paralyze you at will, and also it's just really fluffy. 
So I've got a budget here of 150 million US dollars with a box office of 433 million. Well, they did good. They did good. And there is a sequel on the way from what I've heard. Damn, really? What do you make a sequel to? Where does that go to? Not to spoil the ending, but like it just seemed like it was a very close ending. It sounded like a close case. It was very 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 good good description (laughs) for a detective movie. But um, <laughs> I definitely I want to see more of that world. I want to mm. see more of that world, and I want to see more maybe animated, more maybe. more Pokemon in that s- it, style. It might it be was less really a cool. sequel and more of a Captain America Iron Man in sequel. universe in, in universe, universe yeah. spinoff. So it's like same universe, different different characters, character. different Pokemon, yeah. Yeah. different area, different country. Um, I want to see more of that. I found a couple other movies that one good one. Meh to bad that I don't know if anyone here would have actually watched. The Vin Diesel Doom. Mm, I haven't watched any of the no, Doom films Vin myself. Nineteen. Uh, that that looks like Vin Diesel. I think. Are you sure it's not The Rock? That's a very different character. Okay. Oh no, it's The Rock. <laughs> In my defense, he has hair. <laughs> the Rock's not. He's not been bald his whole life. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, the do- that that adaptation of Doom I have seen. Yeah. Honestly, not bad. The only issue is is that um, the film saturation is awful. Fair enough. If there was one thing I had to really criticize, is that I can't see a damn thing. Mm. <laughs> this sounds like Game of Thrones. <laughs> the other one I found that I'm sure all of you would have heard of, except maybe Kate, but I don't think any of us would have seen. Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Oh. I saw it on Never Wikipedia it. as I was scrolling, looking up stuff for this segment. <laughs> but, um, no, that was that was a fantastic like animation adaptation, and yeah. that was wild. Actually, Final Fantasy has the record for being one of the first fully CGI movies in the world. Cool. Would not deny him that. Like, I watched that movie in IT in year 11. Damn. You had to watch a movie in IT, what? <laughs> to but, be fair, we were out of projects to do, and the teachers at that school often just looked for an excuse to watch a movie so they didn't have to do anything. Most of the time uh, in IT, yes. kids just played cool math games. <laughs> that was cool math game was uh, Halo Combat Evolved. What? <laughs> Uh, don't uh, worry. Halo Fridays. Or was it Halo yeah. Tuesdays? Halo Fridays. And how did you sort Sundays? <laughs> how did you get anything done at that school? <laughs> to be fair, it was only ever on double periods. We spent the first half of the lesson doing work. The second half, we were allowed to play games. So sometimes it was Wolfenstein Enemy Territory. Some I remember once or twice we played uh, Warcraft 3. Wow. And the main one was Halo Combat Evolved. Mm gotten semi-illegally from one of the students. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you got more done than Chess Club did. We spent spent a lot of our time just playing Minecraft Pocket Edition with each other. But could you make chess in Minecraft? Look, ask him. He's the redstone nerd. (laughs) I mean... Give me a bit and I could sort of make it work, probably. <laughs> I mean, you could just input a command of just like, um, because it uses coordinate-based, right? Yeah. So Minecraft is coordinate-based, and technically um, I've seen um, some chess programs where they use coordinate-based command inputs to control piece. So knight to c8, so you'd go like, I don't know, like um, b 
like B5 to C8. So it's like the piece that's on there, move it to there. And then it's, it's funny you mention that because now my brain's sort of like the cogs have started turning and I'm like, if I really wanted to and had nothing to do for a month, I could probably make that work. Mm. Well, I mean, there's always the uh, um, like like the break in the mid-year. Yeah, but you see, I, I work. I don't have time to make entire fictional worlds, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I did that in three days. Get off my back. You are a psychopath. I and know. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll give some context. Patrick made a whole D&D setting by himself for, well, <laughs> us, four I suppose. Continents, four continents, four countries, four currencies, each with... And exchange rate between each other. A and whole pantheon. Five divine pantheons. Oh, technically five, yes. All for us to play D&D &D in. Um, and we're not going to touch most of it. But a uh, quick shameless plug-in. Um, don't forget, everyone, tomorrow is the um, Gaming Society night. And with our team-up with the Wizards of the Coast Society, come along if you want to play Dungeons & Dragons just for a one-shot. Lego Society it. is also there. Lego Society is there. Are they still doing their Hundreds Club raffle? They are still doing a Hundreds Club raffle. Oh, for anyone good. interested in winning a prize of $100, enter in the Hundreds Club raffle. It's $2 I think a ticket. About, I think they still got about 40 spots left. Yep. Mm -hmm. And also, if you can't make it, though, tomorrow evening, and we can understand, I know some colleges do study sessions that evening, if you want to get your fix of nerd stuff and nerd games, head over onto Black Hearts, which is down which street again? Um, Beardy Street. Beardy Street, yeah, it's in the Beardy Street Mall. Um, if you're coming in from town center, it should be on your right as you go along, uh, across from the caffeines. Which I would also yeah. recommend. Not if, you don't, if you don't remember <laughs> these, these directions, just look up Blackheart Armadale, you'll find it. Anyway, back to the topic at hand, or unless we're in for a music uh, well, break. Well, it's probably music break time, oh. honestly. Well, we'll be right back with so, you after this music break. Right, you've been listening to Tune FM 106.9. Up next is Bones by Galantis, One Republic. That reaches through my core Feels like as far as you and me I've never had a choice You feel like home mm -hmm. You're like the opposite Of all of my mistakes Tear down the biggest walls And put me in my place I know that kind of comfortable You cannot replicate You feel like home mm -hmm. So if you're asking me Just into it. 
Say, boy, how do you know? I don't just feel it in my heart. Don't just feel it in my heart. No, I feel it.
Hello and welcome back to Uni Game Society Radio on Tune FM 106.9. So, in the break we decided uh, we might talk about mods in the segment. After Chris found something kind of wacky for um, everyone's favorite grandfather of the um, first-person shooter genre, good old Halo Combat Evolved. Yeah, so um, a mod uh, that was released on which it's Halo uh, Custom Edition. It says free add-on for original PC release of Halo Combat Evolved. So, yeah, you get to play Mario Kart on PC <laughs> in Halo. <laughs> there's a few... I feel there's a few lines we've crossed over in the one thing, but hey, let's... <laughs> that wasn't not? a green shell. That was a hand grenade. <laughs> you got a hand grenade? What... What items do we... So, I don't, it doesn't have the... The blue shell is just a Spartan laser from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> so, we don't have specifics on uh, how it all works out, but it does have... So, it has the power-ups, the halo themed rather than blue shells and banana peels, so there'll be some sort of weapons that would be thrown around of some sort. Mm. I'm not exactly a halo expert, but I'm sure uh, Patrick here can oblige with some things he might theorize um, on. Well, the, some of the power-ups you could get, one was invisibility, but I don't know whether or not having a mongoose riding itself without any pilot visible would be very helpful. <laughs> does active camo cover your vehicle as well? I don't think it does. So, no. yeah, it would just be you just a, just in a ghost bike. Ooh. Like, oh, ghost rider. <laughs> well, the point of the boot was more to move through your opponents, isn't it? It we don't know what the modders have done, so... True, it could just turn off collision temporary... Well, turn off other player collisions. I mean, like, turn off collisions completely. Hello, no clip. Why this doesn't but, um, this doesn't help? <laughs> uh, but like also there was another one, the overshields, which I think could be uh, da, 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 that da, could be the star. star. Yeah, <laughs> that could be the superstar. But um, what's anyone's other experiences with mods? So like, cause man, are they wacky, but also really handy. Like, I'll start on on Minecraft and say, but I just want to bring up one fun thing regarding, I guess, modding in the Halo community. Um, has anyone ever played the Halo? like game mode Griff Ball. Yep. Yes. That is not originally a Microsoft creation. It was created for Red versus Blue by Rooster Teeth yep. and adapted directly into actual Halo for it. To the point where like Red vs Blue has become kind of inextricable from Halo because two of the characters from Red vs Blue were in the announcement trailer when Ninja and Master Chief got into Fortnite. Oh god. Hey look, I mean I, I probably wouldn't be surprised if with the launch of Red vs. Blue, whenever their first season launched, if Halo's sales went up, I wouldn't be particularly surprised. Yeah, mm. of course not. But it's just still cool to note. Hmm. Yeah. And the origins of Griff Ball is hilarious. It simply it was just because they just wanted to keep bullying Griff and made a sport of it. Because if you grab the ball, you're Griff. Now everyone beat him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hockey, but bullying. And with, 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 you know, cybernetically enhanced super soldiers running around with gravity-assisted power hammers. Always mm. fun. Um, but, you know, uh, Canadian hockey, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, back to what I was originally going to talk about. Minecraft modding. Oh, goodness. How oh. many are there? Uh, yes. There's an entire launcher for modding. Mm. There's actually multiple. What? You got the Feed the Beast launcher. You got the Technic launcher. I what? There's several <laughs> modding launches for it. I have one called, I think, like Grey Wolf or Overwolf or something that my friend Jordan suggested to me because it allows you to 
just mass load modes without straining your computer in a different manner to technically like you can still use your other worlds with it. Wow. So, and wow. here's me who hasn't really played mods in Minecraft since I was using Forge as my launcher for My God, I miss Forge. Which was that which was that mod that I used to have that was magic? Thorncraft. Thorncraft. <laughs> I was no good at it, but man if I didn't try. I wasn't terrible. For a while on my original YouTube channel, I actually had like a little three part series where I started a Thorncraft Let's Play. Oh. I stepped outside my base after working on the research tree for a while and realized this beautiful packed ice biome I'd found was suddenly purple. Oh, yes. Oh, that happened to me. Basically, um, um, huh? every time you cast magic, you release a bit of entropy magic into the environment which can cause weird mob spawns and that sort of thing. And it's called flux. And if flux in an area gets too high, it begins to corrupt the terrain. So you fluxed it up. Pretty much, yeah. yes. <laughs> I fluxed it up. But I couldn't see because I was living inside a mountain in a little cave system I cordoned off. The Dude, mad wizard. Did we both make the exact same mistake? Because I still remember the time that I stepped out of my lovely little hole in the side of a hill and... W Instead of just going straight ahead as I usually did, I turned around and looked at the biome behind me, and it was just purple. It was just purple. It just you filled just the became, valley. You just became the raid boss the villagers com complain about. <laughs> it's like, hey, you, can you go deal with that wizard in the mountain? He keeps blasting stuff everywhere, and the cows are turning yellow, and instead of milk, it's ice cream coming out. So you know what I did then, Patrick? What? I moved into the village. <laughs> I, I took didn't have anywhere to run. I ruined every chunk for like three chunks. I turned around. I took you one look at that purple the valley. Chunk. I took yeah. one look at that purple valley and thought, nope, I'm gonna move into the village's library. I'm just gonna <laughs> set up all my stuff there, and no. they I, can just take their sweet time making me move out. I've been underground for so long that. I didn't notice anything was wrong outside until I looked over the door and realized one of the blocks just inside the door was suddenly a purple form of stone. And I'm like, that's not good. That was not purple last time I looked. Stepped outside and it looked like an Enderman had vomited everyone. I'm like, you know what? No. So was, I went back was, inside. But was it the work of purple guy? <laughs> so I'm not getting I found uh, something in interesting on the in the land of modding, it would seem. So everybody knows Microsoft Flight Simulator, I'm sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of any simulated game, it's always good fun. So some people uh, put put mods in, be it like they put whatever uh, models they want in into the world, just as like random events, or like probably put memes into the, into the real world as you go look at them. <laughs> what What would you say if I was to tell you that um, somebody has Put a modded a boat into it, a very specific boat that has been on the news no, a lot no. this week. No, <laughs> this, the, ever, the evergreen uh, cargo boat that's stuck in the Suez Canal. Suez, oh, Suez. No. It's gotten loose now. Is it really? <laughs> uh, according to Hank Green on Twitter, the okay. boat is loose. All right, I the trust, boat is loose. I trust Hank. Yes, Microsoft Flight. <laughs> means of the first man to go through the canal has a choice to make. <laughs> he either lives his life as normal or he makes the funniest decision known to man. Oh, God. And I'll do it again. 
I'm still surprised at how they managed to Tokyo drift their way into economic crisis. There was a sandstorm, apparently. Oh, that. Oh, okay. Given the size of that thing, that thing would have had a, a lot of grip. It was a sandstorm and a lot of other stuff going on that That's just so unfortunate. Like one, one in who knows how the many years. The stock year market accident. must be just feeling rubbish as like coronavirus just kicking its teeth in. It's like finally we're recovering. GameStop, hold. Okay, um, okay, we've recovered from that one. Boat. Boat. <laughs> boat. Who would win? A massive boat worth billions of dollars or one diggy boy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, um, my goodness. Uh, hey, so you get to look, you get to fly by this thing and have a good old look at it from overhead. Speaking of <laughs> news, controversy, and mods, um, that does remind me before when we were talking about Dota 2, so, interesting fact about Dota 2, that in and of itself was a mod. Hmm. For so it was TF2, actually. Yep. yep. It was a Warcraft 3 mod, and that's why it's mm. got that top-down, almost RTS style of play. Yeah. But, um, so, Blizzard didn't appreciate it. They did not appreciate the popularity it got over its own games. They tried to make their own uh, Heroes of the Storm game, which... They rolled the hammer down like bloody Reinhardt. <laughs> They tried it, but um, the thing is, Valve already, you know, took up, took Dota and ran. And so when they made their new game, though, um, uh, Warcraft 3 Reforged, the map editor, which was used by the original game to create Dota, the new map creator now has a legal document binding to it, essentially saying that any creations made by any community member now belongs to Blizzard. All property made within the map creator is Blizzard property. Which means it's like, oh, yeah, if you make Dota, it's our Dota now. And, mm. of course, some people didn't appreciate that. Mm. And of other people really appreciated that. Here's one way, and I don't condone this. Oh, my God. Is this like the story of the Disney R34 vault? Yes. I don't condone this. I do not, like, you know, approve of any offensive behavior, but in times like this, I will applaud with uh, minimal opinion, the I say. Of some, people. some people then decided, okay, every game we make is owned by Blizzard. It is out of our hands. I'm going to make a game about Nazis, or genocide, or racism, or sexism. Like, all of these controversial topics, like really heavy topics, all these really bad offensive game modes. I didn't make it. It's owned by Blizzard. <laughs> now Blizzard's Mother having to face the showdown on that one. It's like, and this is why most game developers now don't try to claim copyright on their mods. Because, mm. except for Bethesda, but, you know, I yeah. won't talk about the Creations Club because that will make me, my blood pressure explode out of my throat. Um, but, yeah, like, don't ever trifle with a system and service you've provided for free in such a scummy manner. Like, mm. yeah. The modders will find a way to get around your thing. Or that, if, if you do something that dumb, if you do something that dumb ever again, they will find you. Mm. So, lesson learnt. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of the tagline for the GameStop fiasco that they used, apes together strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, enough people do it <laughs> with all those... <laughs> No, permutation did. Yeah, no, that will. <laughs> Doesn't look good for Blizzard. Also, like you remind me, Valve has a bit of a, a record 
for making mods into games, don't they? Yeah. The original Team Fortress was a mod. Hmm. And the spy was actually an accident. Oh, that's mm. right. Uh, it was just it was just meant to be a soldier, but sometimes he would show up in the wrong color, and they're like, hmm, yes, we're going to take this, make it more powerful, and then make it French. I love when accidents inspire actual mm. gameplay things. Like, it's great. If you think about it like in terms of evolution, how many biology majors do we have in here? Not majors, but all three of us studied it. <laughs> well, like it's like freak mutation. It's like mm. Mother Nature was like fiddling around with all these species and then suddenly... A this, spy. <laughs> I am the spy. Yeah, you're going in the mix too. Come on. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I'm going to make myself a pig. Gets the X and Y coordinates mixed up. Why is the pig tall? I'm gonna stick a hand grenade in its stomach. Oh, that would be great. And then the creeper was born for Minecraft. Oh, yep. right! I forgot that the creeper was an accident that was also created. Like, it was a weird texture glitch thing with an, and it exploded for some reason. Yeah. No, 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 it was the X and Y thing for the pig. He was making the pig and uh, mixed up the X and Y coordinates and instead of ending up with, you know, four legs long body, ended up with four legs tall body and he just was like, you know, this is a real creative design. I'm going to roll with it. Are you sure you didn't get the X and Y chromosomes mixed up? Creepers. Creepers are good. And I reckon that's probably a good way to segue to the break. So you've been listening to uh, Unigame Society Radio on TuneFM 106.9. The next song is Nymphomaniac Fantasia. Wow.
And welcome back to Uni Game Saturday Radio on Tune FM 106.9. So, we decided we might talk about uh, some AR games that we've had in the past and some upcoming ones. So, Pokemon Go, for instance, we've all played and know about. Ah, uh, yes, Pokemon Go outside. I can't, it's raining. Then buy a ranged raid pass. <laughs> I actually never really got into Pokemon, um, Pokemon Go. Like, I tried playing it, but, like, I just... I was so swamped with high school work that I just did not have the time for it. Mm. And then it kind of just dropped off in interest for me. It was really popular the year it came out. It came out, I think, in the winter holidays. It came out in, like, June, I know, because yeah, I was, was overseas. During, when it I was, was still during in the high winter school. holidays. So when I came back to school... It was absolutely surreal to hear people talking about Pokemon because by this time, Pokemon had kind of dropped off in popularity at my high school big time. But Pokemon Go brought it back to a everyone, pe- people who I would n- never have seen talking about Pokemon were talking about Pokemon. And it was really surreal. It felt like being warped back to 1999. My God, if only. <laughs> Except then I would have only been a baby. <laughs> I think it would have been yes. year 11 because it was so It was the year, yes, year 11, year of the ski trip. Five years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the stop at the giant ram. Yes. Where everyone found that Dragonite, but my phone was still locked on the bus, so I couldn't get it. Yes. <laughs> I, still have, I still have that Dragonite. I treasure it. <laughs> I have a Dragonite. <laughs> no, it's not the Dragonite, though, Blake. No, I wasn't paying attention to Pokemon Go's release, but then I was over- overseas, and a friend had messaged me to say Pokemon Go was a thing. I'm like, what? I was like, oh, yeah, that game. Downloaded and started playing it while I was in Italy. Mm, Interesting time. <laughs> no one else out there was playing Pokemon it. I <laughs> um, still have a few Pokemon from my trip to Japan in, uh, like, December-ish of 2016, so Pokemon Go was still quite a thing then. That reminds me of something actually kind of amusing. Um, so I remember right at the end of the year last year, the four of us went out and got sushi that night. Oh, yeah. And I found something odd. Galarian Farfetch'd does not spawn with the same restrictions as normal Farfetch'd in Pokemon Go. It spawns worldwide, despite the fact that standard Farfetch'd only spawns in Japan. Whack. Likely because Surfetched's addition to the game in Generation 8 was a very big thing and they wanted to capitalize on it. I'm more of a yeah. Ponita fan, but you know. Agreed. <laughs> Which reminds me, did I give you the one? Because I remember I gave you one of my copies of Gen 8. Did I accidentally give you the one with Galarian Ponytail? I mean, I think I did. Did you give a shield or sword? Shield. shield. Yes. I want a Galarian Ponytail. That's when you get okay. One. I can get you one. I'm busy with schoolwork and other work and Animal Crossing at the moment, <laughs> but eventually... The three priorities. <laughs> also screaming in anime stabby boys. Yeah, yeah, that too. S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. is somewhere on my video game to-do list at the moment. I'm still working yeah. on three houses. But um, on the topic of um, AR games and all that stuff, what brought on this topic, Chris? So, I found out that... Um, a much-loved game, particularly of Patrick here, uh, Pikmin <laughs> is getting an AR game. I am very excited, and then I, after my uh, Vietnam flashbacks of playing Pikmin, I realize, oh goody, and oh no. <laughs> it's like running around collecting all the little Pikmin to ga- gather in your little gaggle swarm thing. It's like, yay! And then remembering how fragile and 
expendable they become. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but um, we'll see how it all plays out. But um, there's something about the AR games. It's really catching on. I, I was on YouTube, and I saw an ad for an AR game for Catan. Yeah, like, there was that. There's that. I don't know how that's going to play, but, like, anyone else got any news on AR games? I think there was a Minecraft AR at it some point. It is still in early access, but you can't access it on the iOS store. Mm. Not Android, though, which I found... Lame. <laughs> it's odd because there's a dungeon crawling aspect. Like, you have weapons and you can upgrade your weapons and everything. But the odd thing is the dungeons have depth. Okay. Oh, and it uses your phone's yeah. XY thing to... Like, and you actually... So you know how in Pokemon Go you've got the I don't want to have to look around for the Pokemon mode where it just spawns in front of you in the pre-made background? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have that option in um, Minecraft Earth. We don't do that here. <laughs> you act, in order to get to the deeper parts of the, like, dungeon chunk you've been given, you have to walk to the edge of the dungeon chunk with your phone and look down into it because part of it exists below where, like, the surface it spawns on. I think perhaps they might iron that one out. Since it's still an early access, they might remove that feature, but that's still kind of cool in how it yeah. encourages you to walk around and explore your dungeon. Yeah. But for some people who live, like, in tiny college apartments... <laughs> um, <laughs> they're not big. They're, like, maybe the size of the table here, maybe a lot smaller. We'll see how it goes, though. It's, yeah. like... An alternative one I've heard is uh, The Witcher getting yeah, an AR game. I've heard about that, and, like, I'm, I'm a bit bamboozled. Like, I didn't see a cause for it, except for new Witcher series coming out. And also, speaking of, technically it's a book adaptation, but bite me. It, it's I'd classify it as a video game adaptation as well, since, like, let's be real, which one was more popular? Careful there. The guy tried to sue when the games got more popular than the books already. He didn't ask for royalties when he sold it. It was a lump sum, so he got paid, like, $500 for them to have the rights to make a series of games from his books. <laughs> Not expecting the games to sell that well. Look, if I was the person who had bought the games, I would give him some extra money. Just... And I think you know, they did. Out of the goodness of my heart. Yeah. I don't think it was out of the goodness of their hearts, though. I think it was just on the grounds of... We don't want a legal battle. We don't want a legal battle because it's a waste of money on our end and yours because you will lose. Here, you can have royalties from this point on. Please stop bugging us about this. Basically, it's like the money we lose by paying you is about the amount of money we would spend on lawyers for you trying to sue us for money. Let's just make sure everyone wins. But Mm. uh, I digress on that topic. Um... Just, I'm hyped for the new Witcher series coming out. But, um, yeah, like, I just Wait, didn't expect a Witcher game. the TV show? Yeah. There's more? There's another season coming out this Yay! year. I am excited. This year has been absolutely prosperous for me on Netflix. I've been watching a lot on there. Violet Evergarden was amazing in an emotional heart wreck. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the new Dota 2, blo- like, Dota 2 Dragon's Blood, the new series of Castlevania, like... Again, like, we've really amped up with the whole video games to media thing. It's all, it's all, oh yeah, it's all coming together. <laughs> I think what people realize is that the TV format works a lot better than the movie format. Because you think, get yeah. to space things out a bit. And with video games that have a lot of story, mm. it's really hard to cram all that into a movie. Yeah, and I think, though, that's also now, like, we're back to our topic of mobile stuff. 
I think maybe that's why I'm a little skeptical on, of some mobile adaptations. It's I'm not against mobile games, but mobile adaptations of larger franchises, I get a little disappointed in, only because they don't have enough capacity to use the same amount of content as the original games. Like, Fire Emblem Heroes, it's like, I don't like it. Because... It's a, it's a gotcha game. Not just because it's a gotcha, it's like... They took away hit chance, they took away crit chance, they took away skills and activations. It's all now just, did you use an attack for X amount of turns? Now you get to activate your special skill. It's like, I guess, but it's like, it's not as thrilling as like the, will I hit? Will I crit? Will this actually be a 99% chance to hit, but I will miss anyway and sob? The sheer level of simplification that goes into it. Mm. Like... That's why I didn't like Pokemon Go. Yeah, honestly, yeah. that's entirely fair. Pokemon Go is very simplified compared to the main games, and it's kind of its own thing, That's honestly. That's what I'll appreciate about a good mobile game where it decides, I'm not going to be Grandpa. I can't be him. I will never achieve what he did, but I'm going to make my own thing. And Pokemon Go did that. The like, I'm sure these new AR games are going to do that. Again, I'm tense about how the Pikmin game is going to go. If they just become a resource and it's like, oh yeah, X amount of red Pikmin to move this thing. I'm like, what happened to them? Game, tell me what happened to them. Why do I see little red souls flying off? What did you do? (laughs) (laughs) Me when I turn all my Pokemon into candy. Yeah, the wi- the Witcher. Ask, let's not think about that. The Witcher Monster Slayer is already out, actually. Oh, that one's gonna be on. cool though. It's like, oh, do you collect pets? No, I skin them. <laughs> you slay <laughs> you slay monsters as you run across the world. It also seems as I saw that video had um, you. It showed uh, some like beast corpses, and you. I'm guessing you would analyze them and see what sort of that monster attacked it. That is really cool. That makes d- raids, like raid style things, really cool. That's one thing I do like about these mobile games uh, community raid events. Mm. Yeah. Like, there's been a few times in gaming society where everyone's been like, hey, there's a five star raid on at the gym by the straw. And, a few, and we've gotten together to fight the battle. Wait, the straw has a gym? Yeah, the, yeah. the, the gym over the, There's actually a gym and like three poker stops around here. Huh. Yeah, it's don't, good. Don't businesses actually, like, pay to get their put thing put on here? Uh, yeah. probably. That's one thing also I like about well, it. it. The thing with Pokemon Go's gyms and stops is that players can vote for them. So chances are, because so many people hang around at the Stro in the cafe, there was actually votes at a few of the landmarks around here that were just overwhelmingly, can we have a gym here and a poker stop? And when you really think about it in the large scheme of things, that really does drum up businesses for small-scale, like, areas. Like, it's like, you, you just got a bunch of kids all coming to this cafe. It's like, hey, you, you want a you wanna coffee with that Dragonite? <laughs> can, can, I, can I offer you a muffin to go with that uh, crab meat? <laughs> I remember that was actually a selling point when Go first came out. Smaller cafes were like, we always have a lure active when we're open. Hey, it's like it's it's a very cheap marketing tool for small businesses, which is very effective for them. And yeah. honestly, like this, like AR games aren't going to revolutionize gaming. I will say it's going to revolutionize how gaming becomes a part of our culture. Mm-hmm. I remember in the first year that. Pokemon Go had launched, actually, the local botanical gardens in Coffs Harbour <laughs> had put on an event for 
um, uh, to be open in the evening, which it's normally not. And they would put uh, laws on every Pokestop. And the Botanical Gardens has a lot of Pokestops because of all oh, the wow. different plants and trees and buildings. Oh, my God. <laughs> They eventually added an EX raids for like really powerful Pokemon. Stuff like Mecha, Armor, Mewtwo, that sort of thing. Jesus. <laughs> and um, I'm imagining, unfortunately, you have to do a certain number of raids at the same gym to have a chance for spinning that gym to drop an EX pass. Yep. But uh, just imagine like they managed to set up to have a just public EX raid there early on in the game's lifespan and just hundreds of people flocking to this one gym <laughs> to fight one Pokemon. Like in the opening trailer where everyone oh, in Tokyo was fighting Mewtwo. That opening so trailer, cool. I remember watching that and just even thinking back on it now, just the sheer excitement that like 15-year-old me was feeling looking at that stuff. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like They've really improved it over the years. Like, we now finally get to live up to that hype. Gosh. But also, like, the one thing that I've always wanted... Like, I might pick up the game sometime. I don't know. But, like, the one thing that is currently winning my heart over is when they release a trailer for Companions. The fact that you can now pick one Pokemon yes. and it'll follow along with you. And I'm like... That's the good stuff. Why have they not brought that back into the main games? Oh, yeah. Seriously, we have 3D models now. And it's like, oh, but scaling. Oh, um... They did it in Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. But only one Pokemon. Hey, look, if 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 you want to have your Onyx around, just accept that you probably can't bring it into a house. But, like... <laughs> they handle that. Right on Pokemon. Like, yeah. Yeah, but, like, also what I'm saying is, like, Okay, so what could you tell me is the reason why they don't do the follow? Um, I could give you some very salty reasons, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. generally speaking, they may, it may have taken too much time to make the overworld models, which don't well, which and sword and shield. I was about to say you can go. Yes, that's the thing that frustrates me. It's like, oh, but the it's overworld also models. Sword and shield, just not the base game. They already yeah. have overworld models. You have is to the pay yeah. thing. Extra. Wait, yeah. what? Companion following Pokemon are in Isle of Armor and um, Crown Tundra. The paid DLC. Alrighty, it looks like we're going for the EA direction. With the salt, it's better than most companies still. It's still cheaper than buying the base game and the tertiary. So buying diamond and platinum. Uh. You're paying half the price of the base game for twice the additional content of a tertiary game. I guess. Just you wait until Pokemon Gun. <laughs> 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 and that's probably a good way to end the segment, hey? Pokemon <laughs> and gun. We'll leave for his side that. B, Pokemon training uses a gun. <laughs> so, <laughs> you've been listening to Uni Game Saturday Radio on TuneFM 106.9. The next song up is Confetti by Little Mix. Things in my life break down From the sky drop like confetti 
confetti, flashing lights. I ain't gotta worry on my mind. Know that you mad. I realize that I don't need ya, I don't need ya. So did you say my name? Like it's my birthday. You're just a memory. I'm boy, I don't need ya, I don't need ya. Shouldn't left your ass from time ago. Didn't love me then, but now I do. I'ma let the good things in my life bring down. From the sky, drop like confetti. Stay the same 
Welcome back to Uni Game Saturday Radio on TuneFM 106.9. Uh, so, what did we decide we we're going to talk about this in this segment? Um, honestly, DLCs and our opinions towards the matter. Like, mm. like honestly, like I remember back in back in the old days of 1996. We're all very old people here, yeah. clearly. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're all born in the same year. <laughs> But we are. like back back in the early 2000s, a lot of games didn't do oh. DLCs. If you wanted a secret character, you would do this really stupid achievement thing, like beat the game on the hardest difficulty with the worst character ever without taking any damage at all while achieving it in this time frame with this score. Then you get the secret character who is just bikini mode. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it was silly. It was stupid, but like it was a reward. Now it's like... Yeah. You, you pay for it and it's just and like I, I don't want to be an elitist but it's like there's something less fun yeah. about it Ratchet and Clank you went around finding titanium bolts and then you put them towards getting new models for Ratchet mm-hmm. so he could oh, wait, were they titanium initially? not initially gold bolts was the original thing but gold bolts were used to purchase gold weapons they're now used to purchase skins as well yes not in the first game though in the very first game Ranger? there you had to press a certain combination of buttons on the <laughs> post-game extra mission s- selection screen that would unlock the Manaphy mission. Oh. And then you would play through that mission, and then you would get a Manaphy egg, which you could then transfer from your Pokemon Ranger game to your Pokemon Diamond and Pearl game. That is so cool. That and was good. I like I think that. it's stuff like that where it's like the players get extra bits because the the game developers put them in, and now all those extra bits are being replaced with DLC. There are some DLCs I will be okay with. I'm okay with stuff like, you know, faction packs. It's like, I mean, it's annoying that they weren't in the game initially, but, like, at least they're here now. Thank God. I'd say I'd be happy for to say, like, Skyrim's DLCs, because it's like, yeah, no, this is a whole new experience. This is a whole different... It's a yeah. big chunk, where it's like, but secret missions, secret endings should not be locked behind DLCs. And I'm looking at this one particular game. I can't remember what its name it was. Asura's Wrath? I think so. Asura's Wrath. Who <laughs> they hit... walked the entire true ending behind a paywall. Yep. That's Asura's Wrath, all right. Jesus. Yeah. That is a case of bad game ethics. But um, with, a, yeah. with the latest thing, I guess, it's like the Sword and Shield DLCs. Pokemon fans are not a big fan of this new model of business that mm-hmm. Game Freak is taking. But it could be worse. Is the thing. I feel like the issue with the DLCs 
is mostly as bad as it is because it compounds on the Dexit situation. Mm. I love that they call it that, though. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like it would have been a lot better if it had been one or the other, not both. Mm. Hmm. Like we, or if they at least waited a little longer yeah, to release the DLCs. It's like a two-pronged fork right in the butt. It's like yeah. y- you really didn't have to do it to them like that, but you did. Um, yeah, let me get over the loss of like so starters many. first and then stab me with something else. But, um, like, I mean, though Blake does make a good point. It's like a $90 game, but a $30 DLC. It's like mm. one third. It's like, it's okay. Mm. It's much better than my experience with some games when I played Fire Emblem Fates. And for any Fire Emblem fans out there, you already know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like, imagine, it's like, okay, I bought a $70 game and I only have options for one route. Now I have to pay like $50 to get Route 2. And another for Route 3. I have to spend triple the price for a single game with multiple routes. Which is, I, whereas they fixed that with three houses, now you get four routes for the one game. Which is amazing. I still have to play through the prologue levels, but, you know, like, yeah, I digress. I just another thought of a game that did its DLCs very well. But I'm actually going to compare it a little to Pokemon, because in terms of pricing and amount of content they're kind of similar hmm? Witcher 3 never played it two uh, expansion packs with a large quantity of story lots of stuff to do about $30 each so the Skyrim DLCs as well yeah, yeah. expansion I'll, packs yeah, yeah. Blood, and, Blood and Wine DLC was one of them I heard which was a l- I heard it was another game in itself like it was that much content no. I suppose how I feel is that Hmm. I think that Skyrim DLC as a concept feels okay for me because Skyrim in itself is a full meal, so to speak. Like, when there's DLC on something, DLC should be like either you get a whole second cake or you get some extra icing on your cake. The game itself should still be good and full and palatable, Mm. and the DLC should be additional. You shouldn't feel yeah. like you're buying half a game and then the DLC to... Yeah. That's yeah. a, that's a comparison that's, between... I think that's how I For feel. me, that's the difference between Fates and Three Houses. You buy Fates, you get one third of the story. Mm. You buy Three Houses, you have the whole story, and the DLC added is a what-if scenario. And that's how you do certain DLCs. Yeah. It's either you do a massive expansion, or if the game has diverges of routes... Instead of a integral canon story element that is possible, you have a big what if out there, completely balls off the walls what if, that would not be canonized or confirmed at all, but it's fun to play through, an exciting challenge, and, well, you don't need it to have the mm. full Three Houses experience. That and makes me think of Pokemon Conquest, actually, <clears throat> which had... Yeah. Just all of that stuff in one game. The sheer amount of content in Pokemon Yeah, Con- I'm still, Conquest. like, I've barely gotten through that. I'm, I'm thinking of actually giving Rob my 3DS, though. Mm. Like, now they've got the Switch. But, um, yeah, like... But another game, that, that idea of, like, the whole game plus extra what-ifs and stuff, you actually made me think of another game that handled it a little less proficiently, but was still really well handled. Dragon Ball Xenoverse 1 and 2. They were story packs with a handful of characters... And usually like three or four part stories. Mm. So you had a two piece Dragon Ball GT 
it was two DLCs that gave you a couple characters each for Dragon Ball Xenoverse 1 and a Resurrection of F story mission for hmm. number one. And they've gone off the walls with Xenoverse 2. There was a few minor story missions, a lot of character packs, and then a DLC based around six different what-ifs and how you can mess with them by bringing different partner characters in. Wow. So one of them was um, if you bring, I think one of the, su- I can't remember who it is, but there's a character you can bring with you in the first one where you have to fight Goku and Vegeta and they end up going Super Saiyan 4 instead of Super Saiyan Blue. Oh. And there's one you can do where I think Goku challenges them to push it further and you have, end up having to fight Gogeta, like Super Saiyan 4. Oh, God. When in every other form of the mission, you just fight, like, the original just Super Saiyan 4s. I think so almost like a secret boss fight within a DLC. I yes. yeah, and no, I think that's so clever. Yeah. I love it. And that's what's <clears throat> the topic I was going to say. I think the times in which we get ethical DLC is packaging and content in of itself. That how much are you getting for what you're paying? Like I've played this game called Grim Dawn, and the DLCs. It's like Ashes of Malmoth. It's like what does this do? Like I'll admit, I didn't. I'm not exactly hugely sold on it. But, like, this, the way it handles the story, because it's like the story, it kind of just seemed, it's like, okay, you beat the final boss of the base game. But if you get the DLC, it's like, oh, now we can do even more to fight them, because we never actually technically defeated the Ethers. We only really defeated one faction. So it's like, that left me a little half-baked and a bit sketchy on the DLC. But the DLC added in two whole classes, an illusionist, a higher level cap, so you can go even further with your builds, and a whole bunch of other things. And then the third DLC added the Crucible mode, another class, oh, no, two more classes, um, added in um, a whole new region to explore. It's like, it added a third story arc. And I'm not, again, like, I'm a little, a bit annoyed at the whole story arc being locked behind a wall. Mm. But technically, Ashes was like part two of the story, whereas the third DLC, which I can't remember from the life of me, was more of a side thing, kind of like how it's like, you know, this isn't relevant to what's going on right now. It's just a whole new region to explore around in, like to the point where you need a dude to teleport you to another land altogether. So it's like, (laughs) it's like Solzheim, how you had to go to a completely different region. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of another one where like parts of the story were locked behind paywalls. And sorry to talk over you guys so much. I just have actually a lot of experience with this sort of stuff, oddly enough. Mm. For someone who's a bit of a cheapskate regarding DLC sometimes. You're our connoisseur of the matter. Yeah. Mass Effect 2 and 3. Oh, yes. oh boy! <clears throat> the true ending was behind a DLC? Technically, but the DLC was free. Oh, good, good. The extended cut, which made the ending a lot more palatable. It was more of a patch than a DLC. Yeah. It actually made it a lot easier to get the true ending that was already in the base game. Mm. But what I'm talking about is the fact that there are major swaths of the story that you cannot access without paying, but still affect the next game. That's right. There were some DLC missions where you had, like, mission packs that... They are the Shadow Broker and Project Overlord. Yes. Wait a minute. So does that mean that if you don't 
purchase these, is there a default uh, way these missions go yes, that influences the next game? Yes, it's acknowledged as if you ignored it. Okay, right here. And then the consequences of those outcomes will prevail, whereas yeah. buying the DLCs, then again, like, as much as, like, yes, it's like, oh, but, you know, that's, like, story locked behind, it also is kind of interesting because you're technically getting two DLCs? Yeah. Because now, not because if that DLC didn't exist, then the consequences of those actions wouldn't exist in the next game. But because you bought that DLC and that DLC existed, the possibility for that, the benefits of that DLC mission will bleed into the next game. Yeah, so mm. if you use an example I can think of off the top of my head Project Overlord. If you don't have it, nothing from the DLC shows up at all in the next game. Because if you ignore that mission, the issue on the planet resolves itself. The virus never gets off world, everyone in the base dies. But if you do the mission, depending on if you save the guy who was being tortured and whether or not you roasted the guy who was doing the torture, they can show up in future missions, give you some minor supplies, that sort of thing. Hmm. And with Lair of the Shadow Broker, the plot of Lair of the Shadow Broker will always occur irregardless because it is inherently canon to Mass Effect 3 even if you ignore it. Hmm. Because Liara becoming the Shadow Broker is a major plot point that allows 3 to work as well as it does. Spoilers ahead, sorry viewers. <laughs> um, yeah, for a game that's more than a decade old. All of this is a lot more in-depth than me just paying a little bit of money to get an extra character for Don't Starve Together. <laughs> like, And that, like, that's, I guess, the nature of it, but also it's like the cost to the nature of the content. What about you, Chris, though? You've got any experience with any DL Chris? <laughs> DL Chris. Downloadable sure. Chris's. <laughs> I am not downloadable. Um, Except for any, this podcast. Like any... <laughs> Well, any bad DLC experiences I've had? Or just any experiences, experiences. or your opinions on the uh, moral ethics or business ethics. I don't mind uh, DLCs. It's just you make sure that the base game has enough to go off as Mm. well. To say examples I can think of right now is uh, Dota and Overwatch. Dota's a free-to-play game as is. Mm. You don't have to pay anything to play the game. Overwatch is a paid game, but all you can earn is cosmetic. Mm. So yeah. that's pretty fine by o- me. I get won over a bit by cosmetics. Cosmetics I, I are admit, a big sucker for me. I have spent a few dollars on cosmetics and don't stop. I'll admit I've spent more than a few dollars on cosmetics and Dota. I had to get that triumphant skin. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't bought, bought any aesthetic stuff for don't stop, but I have bought a few Tenogen skins from um, Warframe. Like, it's such... like, And that in itself is a different kettle because it's like, it's not integral. It doesn't yeah. do any gameplay benefits. But Neuron Activate, I must have. It's oh, like, before you go into <laughs> a Warframe rant, I might just... I might remind you, we're running on a time frame. Oh, um, gosh. Sorry. No Warframe, only time frame. <laughs> <laughs> only but, time frame. But what about um, Dead by um, Dead by Dawn? Dead by Daylight. Daylight? Day- well, Dead by Day- Daylight has uh, cosmetics. What about the different killers? Yeah. You can buy the DLC killers. That's just... You get five killers for free. You can you can buy more if you want, if you want to play them. Because, like, don't the perks and stuff come with them and the survivors and the maps? Uh, Yeah, the, the maps are free for everyone. 
So what, what do you? Th- what's your opinion on the costs and how much you get out of those packs, though? It's pretty good. Um, most of the, like, well, a fair amount of the killers you can actually earn after playing and leveling up enough. Actually, uh, yes, earning the stuff. You can earn. You that can earn. Is always fun. Grind the you grind. Can, you can earn the survivors and killers, except for some of them because some of them are, you know, royalties such as Freddy, uh, Freddy, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers. Those sort of things that are from pop culture. I can understand that one because, because you know, they don't want to be ripped. The companies uh, that the Dead by Daylight. They don't want to go at a loss. Is, yeah, yeah, they're not and going at a loss. It's kind but, of a similar situation with Tenogen and Warframe things. It's like some you can buy with the in-game stuff you can grind, but yeah. some of them you have to pay, straight up pay money. Only because they it was created by a digital extreme. They were created by a community member, and they get paid when you buy it. So I uh, really like that. Yeah. In any case, I was trying to close the segment. Remember, oh, sorry. There's a, there is a show on after us. Remember, sorry, <laughs> my bad. We don't run to eight o'clock. Sorry to the folks outside as well. <laughs> That'll be fine. But um, uh, closing statement. So um, tomorrow night uh, we have our games night as usual. We have Lego Society and Wizards Coast joining us again. And if you can't make those nights and you need your fill of all nerdy, wacky, magical stuff, if you want to buy cards, you want to play, play board games, you want to meet up with Warhammer nerds, go down to Black Hearts. They've got everything you'll need for that kind of tabletop activity. Yeah. So, yeah, we run games night at 6 o'clock till pretty much whenever <laughs> from tomorrow at the Stroh. So the virtual reality setup, the Nintendo Switch, PCs, board games, it's all there. And, of course, the societies I mentioned as before. So come on up and have a good time playing some games. If you can't catch us this week, we run every Tuesday of Trimester. So always find another time to catch us. Any other send-off notes? Nope. No, sorry. That's this has been Gaming Society. I'm Patrick. I'm Kate. I'm Blake. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Someone's a little distracted. And I'm Chris. So you've listened to Unity Game Society Radio on TuneFM 106.9. We'll leave you. Uh, the next show on is Dungeons and Airwaves on at 8 o'clock. So good night from us.
歌